0: What is up, everybody? Happy freaking Monday. I was having a super great week this week, and then the weekend happened, and then it started to go downhill. But you know what? We're back at it. We are here. We are ready. It's another great Monday, and I'm so excited to release this episode this week because my idol, yes, that's right, you heard it correctly, idol, Mr. Alex Brightman, a.k.a. Beetlejuice on Broadway agreed to be on my show. I was so excited and so I'm just gonna preface this in the intro because the interview it's kind of obvious that I'm super nervous to talk to him but just ignore my voice and enjoy the episode because he's great. He gives amazing advice and to be honest he's just a super great human to talk to and yes before you ask Kevin his dog was in attendance. Although he was asleep the whole time. But he was still there. He looked like a little angel. I'm also gonna go ahead and give a heads up. We did the interview over Zoom and sometimes Zoom is really mean and decides to do something weird and technological and fuck up every once in a while. But don't let that discourage you. The interview went super well. I think that Any fan, any aspiring actor, and really just any human being will learn a lot from what Alex has to say about the business, and we also kind of talked about our deepest fears and the fact that I hate roller coasters, but that's besides the fact. Like I said before, I was super excited, and you can definitely hear it in my voice, so just ignore me and listen to Alex, and with that being said, let's talk about Beetlejuice, right? All right, let's go. Holy crap. Is this really happening right now? (laughs) Oh my god. God, this is gonna be a mess. In three, two, one. Let's welcome Mr. Alex Brightman, the ghost of the Winter Garden Theater. What?
1: (laughs) Thank you very much. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Action. Thank and you. That, uh, that mild jazz hand attempt at a yeah, that's good. That's much better. <laughs>
0: it's my Bob Fancy hands.
1: Thank you for thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be yes, we're here so to happy speak to speak have, you. have you. And on. I and and even even though this is an audio medium, I do appreciate you wearing the Beetlejuice t-shirt. Of
0: course, I have to. It's like a it's a mandatory type thing. I feel like.
1: I, he was part of my rider. I wouldn't have come... I wouldn't have done this if I didn't know you'd be dressed appropriately. It
0: was in the contract.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Must wear and Beetlejuice. You, yeah. And I appreciate the green M&M's. Thank you very much. Of course. <laughs> yeah.
0: I will say, I do collect Broadway t-shirts, so this is just one of the few that I collect that's in the collection. One of my favorites.
1: Um, there's a guy in our show in Beetlejuice named Elliot Maddox, who's one of my favorite people, and he... Every single day of rehearsal, and I mean this, not one day did not go by where he wore a Broadway t-shirt. He's, he's a collector, and he wears them to rehearsal. He wears them every day. But I he love doesn't, he, that. His entire wardrobe, can, aside from going to opening nights and sort of gallows, his entire wardrobe old Broadway t-shirts.
0: That's amazing. Yeah. I, I literally spend so much time on like, on the internet trying to search for ones. It took me forever to... F- To actually get a Jesus Christ Superstar one, surprisingly, because that show's done all the time.
1: I know, but people collect, man. People like their stuff. Yeah,
0: I know. I found a 19, like an original Miss Saigon one from the 1980s when it first came out. I was like, (laughs) (laughs) score. I know. I was like, oh, yes. And just so everyone knows, Kevin Brightman is in the house, and that's Alex's dog. He's amazing. Yep. And super Kevin cute. is
1: is lying is lying uh, dead asleep behind me <laughs> on a bed. Yes. Um, so at some point he'll wake up, or he won't. Yeah. I mean he can sleep for he literally can sleep for eight or nine hours if he gets a good enough walk.
0: I love that. Yep. I wish I could sleep yep. for that long.
1: You and me both.
0: I always talk about I'm a like raging insomniac, so I just I'll stay up and then wake up. I'll stay up to like three in the morning, then wake up at seven. I'm like,
1: that's it doesn't matter what time I go to bed I wake up at 7 30 pretty much on the dot with no alarm clock right and so that's me every time and yep. it really it, it's really stinky when I have to do like a bunch of writing and I pick my head up and all of a sudden it's four in the morning and I don't right. realize that it is yep. and then I have to force myself into bed only yep. to wake up three hours later to walk Kevin
0: right <laughs> yeah. yes because he's on the schedule
1: he is on schedule yes. and he's the only person in my household that is currently on schedule.
0: Well, I did have some questions. I asked a lot of my um, school friends. I was like, is there anything you would ever want to ask? Like someone who's been in the business, who's like super successful. And also Beetlejuice is amazing. So I (laughs) I listen to it all the time.
1: (laughs) Thank you. I I appreciate you saying super successful because I always say that success is relative. And so as far as, as far as my criteria goes, I think I'm super successful, but I don't measure success in money or credits. I just wanted to always be able to like buy food with the money that I earn from acting or pay my rent from the money mm-hmm. that I earn from being creative. So like, I think I'm super successful, just probably not in the way most people think that I think I am.
0: Sure. I feel that that's actually yeah. a really good answer. I've never heard anyone say that. I,
1: all, I, I teach a lot and I always tell younger people, especially I say, you, you know, Success is measured by you. Mm-hmm. If you measure your success uh, by any other criteria, you're doing it wrong. You have to measure your own success because it's different for everybody. Sometimes yeah. Broadway is success. I don't think it is. I think Broadway is a, it's, it's an, it's one of those goals that isn't necessarily like, there's no track to get there. So mm-hmm. it, it's essentially inachievable until you have it. Right. So it's a weird thing to like pursue. But to be an actor every day, that's very easy to do and very, very doable and achievable. Right. And so I always think, like, make sure that you know what the criteria of your success is. And so when you're crushing it by your own success, great.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, wow. Yeah, I've never heard anyone say that. That's really, that's actually, like, I feel that in my soul, it's, you know? It should keep you going. Yeah. I always think that
1: that, that's, that kind of sentiment and those in general are important for creative people because... A lot of people measure success in dollars and cents Mm -hmm. or credits on resumes or, you know, body of work. Mm -hmm. I measure parts of those. I factor some of those in. But I think success is about I am very happy with the things that I've done. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that there's so much more to do and learn. So, Mm -hmm. like, that's my version of success. That I can pay my rent and be happy with the things that I have created out of my head. Right. Wow. And if it changes, it'll change. But like it should, and it should, it should evolve as you get older or, mm-hmm. you know, evolve once you learn or, or, you know, have a bit of trial and error here and there. Should, mm-hmm. And then you'll sort of carve out what you believe that little kernel of success means to you. But yeah, right. I, I, yeah, just, to, just just to say that, to go back to say, thank <laughs> you for thinking I'm super successful. Yes, of course. Uh, I appreciate
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my first time ever seeing Beetlejuice. <sighs> when was, it? I think it was in the fall. I'm trying to think, but uh-huh. I, I won the Beetlejuice lottery. I'm really good at winning lotteries. I've seen, like... I'm not. <laughs> almost every show that I've seen, I've won a lottery for. The only one I haven't won is Hamilton, and I'm still trying to That's a day.
1: very... It's a very specific skill. My brother's the same way. My, if you, yep. my brother, at any game of chance, any luck-based thing, my brother wins every time. Yep.
0: I saw Beetlejuice <laughs> three times by winning the lottery.
1: <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, you've seen... you. By the way, you've seen it three more times than I have.
0: Well, you know it more than I do, so... Probably true. Yes. <laughs> Well, one of my questions I have for you is um, kind of like acting. We'll get to the Beetlejuice-specific ones later, but um, how do you approach new scripts or songs for the first time, like when you're first learning about them and acting? I am
1: obsessed with um, words. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with script and and dialogue and lyric. Um, so it's it's sort of two different answers but the same answer i guess but I'll, I'll answer with like approaching a song i think is like something i teach a lot and so i because i think a lot of people get a song and they want to just jump into performing how fast can i learn this how you get the notes in get the words in and then go whereas i think it's much more fruitful for a performer to don't even learn the music right away unless you're in a jam and unless you're trying to get into an audition in an hour um but typically you're not you know if you get a song you want to sing in your book and you want to really 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 act the shit out of it mm-hmm. then read it mm-hmm. like read it like 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 their words cuz they are like you know how you read a book you don't read a book in rhythm you read a book like a thought you read it like sentences yeah so read them there typically in sheet music there are punctuation you know there, there's there's period and and exclamation points and that's a roadmap to how you're supposed to perform the song and i then nobody th- i think like so few people think about that and they start linking lyrics together in, in ways that shouldn't just because the song is rhythmed out in a certain way or scanned in a certain way so i get very obsessed with what the the actual sentiment of the thing is what the, what the song means and then once i figure out what the song means and i googled everything i didn't understand about it that's another thing people will sing words that they don't even know what they mean and then mm-hmm. you know it's crazy um then i figure out what the what it means to me How, if there if there is any sort of personalization i can put on it because the more authentic i can make the performance or make you know the uh, the more i can understand the piece in a way that means to me the more authentic i can make the performance it's right. coming out of a place that i know very well because it's me uh same thing with the script same thing with, like, you know, if I get sides for an audition, I, I, of course, memorize them. Yeah. But before I even begin, I don't just get the page and start committing to memory. I read it like a fan of it. Like, I, I read it like I, like I got a gift, mm. and I, I read it and enjoy it. Or I don't enjoy it, by the way, and I – then it doesn't speak to me, and I'm in a position now where if I read something um, – I'm in a very thankful position where if I read something now and it's, like, five pages of a script – and I just, I'm not feeling it. I'm just not a fan of it. Mm-hmm. If that's okay. I just, you know, I will say I'm not really interested. Right. Um, but if I like it, then I really want to see, okay, what is this about? How much can I put myself into it before my audition? Mm-hmm. So it's really just about how much does it speak to me? Yeah. Because I, I could, you know, I feel like a lot of good actors could spin a script or mm-hmm. a lyric into something wonderful. Sure. But then let's just say you didn't really like it, but you were good at it. Mm-hmm. And then let's just say you get the job. Now you have to do this job that you don't like, <laughs> but you're good at. I mean, like something. There's something crazy about that to me. There's something really weirdly skillful about that. I think, but mm-hmm. I don't really subscribe to it.
0: I support that. Yeah, and I know you talked to me during our lesson that we had about like lyric scansion and stuff like that, and taking breaths like in different places. So that was super helpful. Yeah,
1: yeah. what's well, majorly important. I mean, mm-hmm. you wouldn't. You 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 would you wouldn't say, um, you know. The sky is blue. The ground is brown. Mm-hmm. You would say the sky is blue. The ground is brown.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You wouldn't say the sky is blue. The ground is brown. You would never put those two together. So mm-hmm. why would you do that in a song?
0: Right. And then obviously there's an there,
1: there's an obvious space mm-hmm. to add, you know, a different thought. Mm-hmm. So it's like so so you can do that in song. You can. It just, it's just a matter of interpreting, and then it's a skill. You get better at it the more you do it. Oh yeah, totally. You start reading it. Yeah, and it, it, the more you practice it, the more you. you, you becomes um you don't even think about it it just becomes second nature you just read if you read a lyric that way you just start reading a lyric as a monologue as a story
0: mm-hmm. i will say both my mom and i i think have really estranged fears of snakes because both of us in the past week have dreamed that there's a snake in our house so oh.
1: are you are you not are you already not a fan of snakes or are you was this dream sort of an impetus
0: i don't know i actually googled what it meant to have a snake in your dream and i was like This is weird. It's like, part of it's like you have anxiety over something or you're fearful of something that's going to happen. And I'm like,
1: this I don't know. I would love it. I would love it so much if the thing said... What it means to have a snake in your dream is that there's definitely a snake in your house. Now.
0: Oh my! God. I would, I would <laughs> just, to, <quit> my shit. <laughs> just to
1: just to ramp up your anxiety even more. There's for sure a snake in your house if you have a dream about it.
0: <laughs> I would tell my mom I was moving. <laughs> Be like,
1: yeah. <laughs> I get it. I'm trying to think of what like my deepest fear is. Now that you we've talked, would you have a deep fear? What's your deepest fear? Do you have a fear like a phobia or a fear?
0: Actually, yes. Okay, so I love riding an airplane, so I'm not afraid of heights. Uh-huh. But I will not ride a roller coaster. Interesting. I will do it. I I always say I'm afraid of the machines because they break down a yeah. lot. But then, like, yeah, airplanes also break down, so it doesn't make sense.
1: I, have, I used to have, and I still do a little bit, have the biggest phobia of flying. I developed it. I never used to have it. I had it for, like, 10 or 15 years, and it's getting better now. But I... It was not about the plane, it was not about the falling, it's not about the crashing, it's not about that. It's about the lack of control. Mm-hmm. And I think that might be what also a roller coaster, you're on it and you, you there's no brake you can pull. Nope. So it's like, you don't have control. You until it's over, you have to ride it out. Mm -hmm. Um, So I understand that fear. Um, Mine is the opposite. I'm a huge roller coaster junkie.
0: So many people are, and I, I've tried, I really have. I've tried. I rode, there's a amusement park near my old college that I went to in Ohio. And I rode like the tallest roller coaster. My boyfriend at the time, like convinced me to get on it. I'm pretty sure I stopped breathing at the top. (laughs)
1: I like that you said my, my, my boyfriend at the time, I was hoping this story, this story is going to end with, and then he died on that ride. <laughs> so he's no longer my boyfriend.
0: No, 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 no. That's no. why
1: that's why I'm scared of roller coasters.
0: <laughs> yes. Cause my boyfriend died. That's why. Yep. That's it. He fell All right, off of Sorry. It. I,
1: I didn't mean to derail <laughs> us from the actual conversation, but oh. I was curious.
0: No, it's okay. That's a good, that's a like legit question though. So I support yeah. I, I do have I'm fear interested. of ghosts sometimes, but I don't think I'm scared of them. I think I'm just scared of what they might do. I'm positive there's ghosts in this house because my mom says I'm crazy, but I've seen it, I swear.
1: I think we're we're trained as as humans that, that grew up with watching movies to think that ghosts are vengeful. Mm-hmm. And so which is crazy because most most people most people have de- Die naturally. Most people aren't have not have nothing to come back to seek revenge for. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's we've been trained that like ghosts in houses are evil. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think if they exist, and I don't know if if I believe in that at all. I don't know. I don't have a yes or no answer. I don't (laughs) imagine they'd all be like out to get you.
0: Right? No. Yeah. I don't think it's out to get me. It just like it likes to mess with me. I do have a ghost in my apartment in the city though, because she likes to like I'll come home and my laptop will be on the floor, and I'm like. Thanks.
1: Okay, so she's technologically savvy. This yes, ghost. she likes to Got play. It.
0: She likes to play with things. It's like this little girl, and she likes to play with the chain oh on my door. Yeah. Okay. She just likes to pull pranks. I think.
1: I, I instantly regret doing this interview. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ghosts follow me.
1: <laughs> I'm just joking. Well, see, you know, sort of a pseudo ghost is on this chat right now. Yeah, exactly. Say,
0: hey, yeah, like you played one. You should yeah. be scared of them. I'm not scared of them. <laughs> Well, that's good isn't there a yeah. ghost in the winter garden I feel like I saw a video about that
1: every theater probably has some mm-hmm. semblance of an ensemble of ghosts yeah that once that's why there's you know, a ghost light in. I love it yeah. be- do you know do you know why there's a ghost light truly there are many there are many answers but like but they the one that I subscribe to I believe is the best but there's like one or there's like one of two answers usually one is the one where it's to keep the ghosts away mm-hmm which I think is not the answer, but I think it's certainly valid. The one I like is that every theater in the country has a ghost light. They put it on stage after everybody leaves, so that the ghosts can put on shows.
0: Yeah, I've heard and that so, one.
1: So, so, so that they don't mess things up when they when, when the alive people are there. They don't get that we give them the space. Yeah, we we, are, we 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 have respect and reverence for the people that once inhabited this theater. You can call call them ghosts, mm-hmm. sure. Um, and give them the space to perform yeah. and do their own shows, so that when we're doing ours, we get to do ours with no, you know, hopefully no mishaps.
0: Right. You know. I like that one. I went on a tour when I first moved to the city, of, of like around, um, mid like the midtown theaters, and the new Amsterdam actually they have like a proven ghost. I think her name is Olive.
1: Oh God. Yeah,
0: and apparently, like, on- she only shows herself to men. And she only comes oh around like every 10 years, but she, ha- she and I have the same birthday. And I was like, uh-huh. yeah, it's kind of stuff that makes my heart go in my toes.
1: Yeah, I get you. No, I, I dig it. I like, I, I am all about, I, I will never yuck anybody's yum. If you believe in something you are, you should absolutely 100% believe yeah, 100%. in it. 100%. <laughs> all
0: right.
1: What else? Let's get okay. back on topic. I, yes. don't, I, I, I will, I will continue to derail us if you let me. <laughs>
0: Um, one thing was, I know my friend Taylor asked if, um, you still take classes, even when you're in a show,
1: mm-hmm. like, Hi, Taylor. Better. <laughs> hey, Taylor. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, I don't, it's. It's, it's tough. The answer is yes. I mean, the answer, like the the answer actually is probably just the short answer is yes. Um, but class to me is, um, relative. Like what is class, right? I think if you think like class as being a classroom setting, it's not always the case for me, but I will leave time in my day to always better myself as an actor in some way, whether it's writing something or whether it's reading a play or whether it's watching something that, you know, I believe will help me whatever you know it's not you know any sort of medium that will help me be a smarter and more informed actor I believe is class so I'm always trying to better myself that way it's been a bit since I've been in like a bona fide classroom setting
0: mm-hmm.
1: the, because and that's really only due to schedule right I just don't have because a lot of times you can't just take a one-off class a lot of them are these wonderful like six-week programs which mm-hmm. I took, used to take I took a great one in class but on camera acting and um fundamentally changed how I auditioned and so in in that way and so I would love to go back to that and I am sort of like you know in these days where I'm not doing anything I am seeking out online and you know certain things where I'll be able to actually take a zoom class or a zoom Mm -hmm. seminar which I think are a little more helpful because this is tough you know this is a tough medium to sort of like do an acting class with you know this is a bad scene partner you know yep yeah, but yeah, right. I do. I I, I always do. I, I always think that if you're not doing at least one thing every day that has to do with the thing that you're doing for a living, then I think what's the point? Right. You can always give yourself time off, a, a break. But totally. I, you know, watch watching a movie is good for an actor. So that's not a break. That's that's research It's also fun.
0: Right. Yeah. Totally. I know. I used to um, during second semester we do all Golden Age stuff, so the research part was really fun.
1: Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah.
0: Um, one of the questions I did have was, um, in my last episode, I talked about how self-care is super important for a human being. And I know a lot yeah. of people think that it's selfish and it's not.
1: No, Jonathan Van Ness is right. Yeah. Right. Yes.
0: <laughs> um, do you have a self-care routine? Like when you're stressed out?
1: I do. I mean, I, yes. I don't know if it's like regimented in the way that it's like, you know, No, sure. um, I still stealing from one of my favorite comedians um and something he talks about a lot pete holmes the comedian um who's famous for the um i mean for being a stand-up but he also has a podcast called you made it weird which i listen to uh pretty religiously um he talks about your joy quota like you know it's sort of like you know making sure you're always checking on your joy quota And if it's low, then you need to do something about it. So do something for yourself. So typically, when I feel stressed out or my joy quota is low, I will, and this is true, go to an arcade, um, go to, like, a Dave & Buster's um, and play games by myself. I don't invite people. I don't – there's something – and it's twofold. One, I just enjoy the idea of, like, these games don't matter. You know, Mm -hmm. like, winning them doesn't matter, losing them doesn't matter. They're arcade games. So there's uh, a zero-sum game. But two, I actually love the chaotic noise Mm -hmm. of an arcade. See my dog rolling around in the background? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love the chaotic noise of an arcade because it all blends into one noise. And to me, that noise is comforting for some reason. So I Mm -hmm. understand. For some reason, it just kind of chills me out in a way where, like, meditation doesn't chill me out. Meditation has never worked for me. I always think meditation you're supposed to let go of everything right right and my 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 counter to that is am I letting go enough and so it's never gonna work <laughs> and so the I like the chaos of that I've also like found it in as an adult I found it in casinos unfortunately um, you know because like you know I don't like I don't subscribe to gambling obviously but like the same you know a casino is essentially an adult arcade oh right Um, so as long as you are financially responsible yes um you know the um but no Dave and you know an arcade is excellent like I just think it's fun and it reminds you that life can be fun and silly and it's an Hmm. escape that sounds really fun and that's it you know, I, I cook, I, I try to eat okay, but like, you know, I don't really have like a real, real, like, you know, I don't take bubble baths and, uh, I, I don't do anything that really involves stillness. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. I'm, I yeah. it's have a hard time being still. So anything mm-hmm. sort of like walks are good for me. Um, I, Theme parks are great, you know things like that.
0: We love those. See, you, you, yeah, <laughs> I was one of the people that always held the bags while everybody else went on the coaster.
1: <laughs> well, wait, you know what though? Very, you're, it's a very vital person. It is. Yeah, yeah. we need those people. Yes, <laughs> it's the designated the designated driver of theme parks.
0: Right. Exactly. I'm mm-hmm. so glad. <laughs> okay, so I will move on to the Beetlejuice specific questions because those Let's are fun.
1: Do it. I'll I'll try to be. I will try to be brief and concise. I don't want to okay. waste time.
0: Great. Um, I will say I do an original Broadway cast album of the week every week. So this week is definitely Beetlejuice, the album. By All right. Yes, because it's fun and everyone should listen to it. So I know I every word. I think it's fun.
1: I have listened. I have. It's one of the few albums that I'm on that I've listened to uh, more than a couple times. I just think the orchestrations are great. It, everyone sounds so good on it.
0: One hundred percent. OK, so one of the biggest questions that I got was about the voice that you huh? do for Beetlejuice and my listeners wanted to, to ask you basically how did you determine and finalize the voice the voice of Beetlejuice and then how did you maintain it for eight shows mm-hmm. a week
1: yeah so I knew when I when I ended up getting offered the role to do the very first workshop I knew that Beetlejuice the thing you know that couldn't sound normal I mean it couldn't right. <laughs> there's nothing in this material that would say that he's just a normal guy. Uh, everything about him is strange, and so why wouldn't his voice be? So I started to do that thing, that thing about, okay, investing, looking at the words. What do I know about the words? He's a millennia old. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? It means that he's falling apart. I mean, constantly falling apart, putting himself back together, and he's used his voice for that long right? So his voice is, his voice is wrecked and ruined and falling apart. His vocal cords are barely there anymore. So what does that sound like? So I knew like, and I'd seen the movie and I'd seen the cartoon. So I had some idea of what, like the fans, you know, like what field just is to the world. Mm -hmm. So I also didn't want to deny that. I didn't want to make it so different that people thought I was being selfish. Right. Um, so I started playing around and so I just, I, I don't really speak in a much lower voice than this this is my voice and it's pretty high as compared to I guess most other guys but like it's it's high I and mean, I'm a tenor and so it sits kind of high in in the back of my throat and so you know, I tried going down here like I can't you know going down here is a little difficult for me mm-hmm. and this is more like we like the Michael Keaton kind of thing sat, like kind of mm-hmm. down here you know and again I had that southern thing mm-hmm. um, I didn't like that. I didn't want to do, I mean, he's, I didn't like it for me. I thought it was perfect on him. So I just started like realize when I sing rock and roll and I get up there, I, I kind of have this thing that goes on when I kind of, every time like I sort of get loud enough, another thing clicks in mm-hmm. to make sure I'm not hurting myself. And I didn't know what that was, but I started to investigate it. It's like, mm, mm, mm-hmm. what is that? It's like when I'm clearing my throat, I'm not feeling it in my vocal cords. I'm feeling it higher. So I started playing around with that until it didn't hurt anymore. And with the help of a vocal coach and a vocal pathologist mm-hmm. and an ear, nose and throat doctor who made double sure twice a month to look down my throat, to make sure I wasn't doing any damage every single month. I've done this show for four and a half years. Wow. Um, um uh, let's talk about maintenance. Um, great. uh, We made sure that when I was speaking like this, I could be healthy because this is the healthiest way to speak for me. It's the it's the optimum pitch of my voice Mm -hmm. so that when I did Beetlejuice, I didn't have to stop talking like this. I still talk like this on stage. This is the trick of it all. And this is sort of the the breaking news. for. This is what I'm speaking like on stage. But I'm just adding on top of it something that sounds like this. I'm not making my voice any lower Mm -hmm. because you can it's my voice is as high as it is right now. I'm just putting something on top of it that put that that vibrates really quickly and sends the tone through it so that I can keep talking like that. Do you see how easily I can come in and out of it? Yeah. So it's not about changing my voice. Mm-hmm. It was about adding something to the top of it and making my uh-huh. voice come through something, like a filter.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and so that's how we found it. You know, I, I found something by accident, or I mm-hmm. found something by, you know, playing around, and then with the help of a team, made it sustainable by constantly checking on it and constantly working on it. I never went on stage without warming it up first. Um, I always checked my voice after the show. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it was it was a year-long, I mean, probably a four-year-long process that was, you know, very fruitful because now it's become a voice people are very familiar with.
0: All right. So I did want to ask because I'm personally curious Um, What was, like, pre-production, like, for Beetlejuice? Because I feel like you guys just had so much fun on stage that pre-production would have been even more fun.
1: It's like, you know when you watch the outtakes of a movie at the Mm -hmm. end of a movie? The outtakes of any sort of comedy movie, that was, like, the entire four-year leading-up process to the show that everyone saw. So, like, Mm -hmm. as good as the show was the stuff leading up to it was so much fun to sort of muck through and, like, figure out because all of it's funny. So it was, like, we had a very fun time because we got to play around a lot. We didn't have a lot... We had scripts. That was great. I mean, the script was incredible four years ago, five years ago. But by playing and by improvising, we got a chance to really figure something out. But by doing that, we got to, like, rifle through a gazillion jokes. Mm -hmm. And then hard is having to cut jokes.
0: Right. That's, that was going to be my next question. <laughs> was, this, was there anything that was cut that you wanted to keep?
1: Hundred, hundreds of things Hundred. over the, over, over, four, seriously, yeah. over four years, truly. And it, it happens in every original process. It happened mm-hmm. with school of rock. It happened with this. You always, there comes a day where, some, where the, the, you know, the director or the writer comes to you and goes, we're going to try this scene without this line today. And it, it breaks your heart, and, and you know that they're right. Mm-hmm. You know that it's a joke that you love. It's a it's a child of yours now. You've yeah. created this thing, especially if you've created the joke. And they're like, "We're going to try it without it and see if it works." Yeah, which which is coded, which is usually coded language for the most part of it's cut. <laughs> um, you know, it's just a nice way of saying we aren't going to cut this. Yep. So, uh, But I've learned over the years and being now being a writer and being someone who is sort of more improvisatory with their acting and rehears- rehearsing to learn how to, like, kill your children. Don't. You know, the yeah. idea of, like, let me just say, you know, killing your darlings is, like, a big part of the creative process, and I've learned But doesn't mean I don't mourn them. I mourn the loss of a lot of those jokes. Um, but I think with Beetlejuice, I think that what we got out of it was like the gold nuggets across Uh, the board. We figured out. So yeah, we sieved away probably some of the flakes Mm -hmm. that we liked, but I think really what we ended up with was something that everyone was very proud of.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I loved it. My, (laughs) one of my favorite, I have two favorite lines, I think, in it. And one of them is towards the beginning where you look out into the audience and you're like, this guy knows what I'm talking about.
1: That's <laughs> yes, yeah, the that, the runner. The runner in the show. The three the three times running. Uh, I love a runner in a show. A run I don't for anybody that doesn't know what a runner is, a runner is something that makes its way a couple of different yes. times throughout a show. It's the same joke a couple of times. It pays off uh, pretty wildly at the end for Beetlejuice. Um, it was but so yeah, funny. that stuff and we couldn't have known that was going to work until we put it in front of an audience. Yeah. I mean, that was written into the show. That wasn't an improv. That was written from the very first draft. Um, so it was a risk. Mm-hmm. You know, the very first totally. time we did it was a total risk that paid off and then continued to pay off more than it did
0: Amazing. And my other so one so is... What was uh, your other favorite? Um, gosh. I think it's towards the middle of the show, right before intermission, maybe. But you're talking. Right. Um, Beetlejuice is talking to Adam and Barbara up in the attic. Yeah. And it said, "I don't remember like the whole conversation." But it's I, I, is,
1: I do, so yeah, so I, I, sure. I, I, you I, know
0: backwards and so I don't yeah. even know why I'm trying to explain it.
1: <laughs> I can help you out here. So yes. tell me what line.
0: Um, the Brigadoon line.
1: Oh yeah, fuck Brigadoon. Um, <laughs> that's right. It's um. Sorry everybody, I know that my name is on the marquee, but you're gonna have to watch a new show, The Maitlands. More boring than Brigadoon. That's right. I said it. Fuck brick and do
0: This <laughs> <laughs> is one of my favorite. I laughed every time you said it. I was. <laughs> it's a great, it's great a line. line. I
1: had I had nothing to do with it. I was. I'm very proud to say a lot of those. I mean, those a lot of those like really zinger, bang out like really amazing mm-hmm. lines were written, perf- perfectly and usually the first time by um, Anthony King and Scott Brown, two of the funniest, truly funniest writers I think on Broadway going right now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I will say I'll ask you one last question because I know you have. To okay. Have- go to another um, event, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: yeah, all these events that I'm going to during the time of coronavirus. I go, yeah, I have to get dressed for an event. Yes.
0: Okay. If you could play any other Beetlejuice character, who would it be um, and why?
1: I have two answers for okay. that. One is, one is a funny, selfish answer. <laughs> and one is the real answer. The okay, funny, great. selfish answer is uh, Otho, so because I wouldn't have as much stage time and I'd like some time off. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> But the last two shows I've done have been so crazy. You know, School of Rock and Beetlejuice were both these, like, crash helmet acting yep. shows with no brakes. And yeah, you know, the way I describe both shows is, like, you're at the top of a hill in a car, mm-hmm. and you decide to go down the hill. And right when you decide to go down the hill, somebody tells you, oh, by the way, the car has no brakes. And you have to just drive down this hill. Yep. You have to. And that's mm-hmm. how both shows felt, which I wouldn't have had it any other way. I love it. Um, but I would love the uh, Kelvin who played Otho had this like wonderful role, but also had like m- so much time off stage. Right. Um, so I would I'd kill for that. My next role <laughs> that I do is going to be like a guy that's asleep. That would love that. Um, and so Supportive. my um, But I would say the real the actual answer. I would love to because of how crazy the last number of roles I've done. I would love to give a shot at playing like an Adam Maitland because mm-hmm. it's just. A human, a genuine human who is vulnerable, and there's nothing um, necessarily like crazy unique about him. He's a guy, mm-hmm. and so uh, like I, I, I yearn to just play a regular guy someday. Um, <laughs> I've been, I have been, I've been now plucked and picked for the idea that I play characters and and mm-hmm. and, and dead things and and you know imposters and things like that, which I love, and I never want to be uh, counted out of that. But I, right. one day, I hope to play like you know. A guy in his 30s.
0: Right. I support I just think that'd be awesome. You think you could be harassed by Beetlejuice if you played Adam?
1: Oh, but I mean, the the thing is, if I play Adam, I still get to kiss myself, so it's great.
0: That's true. (laughs) Yeah. I
1: still get to have that sweet, sweet kiss, which was so much fun to do every night. People have no idea. People were like, was it weird to kiss, like, your friend Rob or or David? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, it's the best. I mean, have you ever watched a great SNL sketch when they're kissing each other? It's like, it's so much fun. It's so fun. Um, Right, yeah. And as long as everyone's on board, you know, consensually about what's about to happen, you can't like you can't go kind of off the rails when it comes to like a kissing moment or any sort of intimate moment on stage sure. but if both people are on board it's so much fun and for yeah. the sake of comedy it's even better because it really you can go there and really you know make people either very uncomfortable which is funny to me uh, or make people joyous. because you know we had a great response on it was just pride i mean it was just you know we it was the whole month of pride and we did our show during pride and that whole time that, that kiss was like crazily celebrated because like we had set Adam up a little bit to like kind of like what was going on. And like, we had this, like, you know, it was like really, really wonderful to like know that our show catered to the aspect of of everybody's beautiful. Everybody deserves a kiss.
0: Right. (laughs) I love that. It was so funny. I love the show. I love your acting. I love your choices. Um, thank you. Yeah. Well, I think that's, that about wraps up all my questions that I have for you.
1: I love it. What, um, what was I just going to say? I had a question for you that I wanted to ask before I got off. Oh. Um, what What was my question? I had, I had a question. I, I typically ask, like, I like to ask somebody, the, after being asked all the questions, I typically like to ask a question. I had one, very specific one, but I'll just, I, I lost it. <laughs> it's okay. So it's I'll email okay. it to you later. But... Right. <laughs> Um, a question I, I do always ask is um, a favorite dish. What is your favorite dish? My favorite not, dish. Not favorite food or cuisine. What is your favorite dish? Your death row, you know, your you know desert island dish.
0: Hmm. I have to say, when I was in Italy, oh there no, was, here we go. Oh, oh, oh! I lived there for a month last summer. It was it was a good ass time. All right.
1: Well, you don't have to make me feel bad. <laughs>
0: I'm not. I swear I'm not trying to. It's just a, It's one of my good flexes that I have. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a great one.
0: Yep. Um, so what did
1: you? What is the dish? I'm curious.
0: It was this mushroom and lobster ravioli.
1: Oh, okay. okay. I have to go. That's way too. This is that was torture. I shouldn't even have been asked.
0: Oh, it was so good. It had, It had like. It was like. And it was stuffed ravioli with like, lobster bits and mushrooms in it, and then it was covered in this like mushroom type gravy sauce oh it was so good mm-hmm. oh on a,
1: on a on a tangible note my actual my rap name is lobster bits
0: i it, it suits you it really yeah, does that's my
1: that's my rap name lobster <laughs>
0: bits lobster <laughs> bits
1: i do can't i do i do cameos on other people's uh on songs I, yeah, I'm, I a
0: a I'm a big fan i'm
1: a big fan hashtag lobster bits catch me um, on
0: soundcloud <laughs> yep
1: <laughs> um, this, I really do appreciate you having me on. I, I'm always I'm always um, super psyched when anyone wants to talk to me. so thanks.
0: yes I love well I love talking to you considering I've talked to you what two times in the past month, so
1: <laughs> yeah, no, this is great. I really I enjoyed it, but I, I'm, I hope that everybody you know enjoys it as well. I hope that yes. and you know we'll do this again sometime.:
0: Yes, absolutely. and um, I can give them their your Twitter. Twitter handle and stuff like that. If you'd like,
1: I, my Twitter handle is a bright monster, <laughs> as in a b r i g h t monster. Yep, um, and that's the only place you can find me. Yes. I like to. I know that there are lots of lots of uh, Alex Brightman adjacent <laughs> accounts on uh, Instagram, and mm-hmm. those are awesome, and those are great, and I'm happy that they exist. But they are not me. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I, my thoughts are my thoughts, and my thoughts remain only on Twitter. So, and those,
0: if you want me. good content on your timeline, go follow him because it's great. Yeah, come find me and find <laughs> me and say hi by the way because i typically say hi back yes he usually yeah he usually do because you've done it to me a couple yeah. times so yeah yeah totally thank you so much for coming on my podcast it means so much to me
1: it's my pleasure i really hope it's uh, i hope you have a nice day i hope i can't wait to hear the episode i will listen i promise and uh i will promote the shit out of it yes Yes, that's what it's all about—promotion. Absolutely. Um, no, I, I, I genuinely appreciate it. So thank you.
0: Yes, of course. Well, I hope you have a lovely day, and Kevin, I hope you have a lovely sleep because you are dead knocked out still. Oh my God,
1: he's never—he hasn't moved once. I'm going to go check his nose to make sure he's breathing. <laughs> make sure he's
0: still breathing. Um,
1: <laughs> uh, thank you very, very much. Thank you. I will talk to you soon.
0: All right, bye, Alex. Bye, Frankie. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, that was the most fun, I think, that I've ever had in a conversation. Just so everyone knows, I had never met Alex. I saw the show three different times and never got to meet him at Stage Door and I was so sad, but things happen for a reason and now I've talked to him twice in the past month. He's the best person. Also, in case you didn't hear, the original Broadway cast album of the week is Beetlejuice. Duh. By Eddie Perfect. You can find it on Apple Music, Spotify, and probably any music streaming service. I highly recommend you give it a listen. The entire cast is amazing. And every song you listen to, you will have it in your head for the rest of the week. Give it a listen. Super fun. Also, if you want to follow Alex, he is only available on Twitter. He does not have an Instagram like he said earlier in the episode. And his handle is A, like the letter A. Bright, B-R-I-G-H-T, monster. And that's where you can find all of his updates and social media-esque postings. If you're looking for some cute dog pictures, Alex does post Kevin content, which is pictures of his dog. And also, Alex just announced on his Twitter that he's going to be part of a new Netflix original show called Dead India. I think that's how you say that. Um, please disregard Me if I mispronounced it because I can be really stupid sometimes. I was a mathlete in high school, not a grammar nerd. So, but anyway, he's gonna be voicing Pugsley, and we should send him some super good vibes. That's the episode for this Monday. I hope you all have a wonderful week, and don't forget to follow me on Instagram. It's Frankie A Mars, and that's Frankie with an I E and Mars like the planet, but with two R's instead of one. And it's also the same for my Twitter, so if you want to give me a follow, totally fine. If not... Whatever, that's cool too. But also, don't forget to give Alex a follow as well. Also, I have not fully watched Hamilton yet. Okay, don't skin me alive, but I'm working on it. I keep getting busy and I want to like really focus on the acting. So I need to like find a time to sit down and watch the whole thing through because I've been working all week. But I swear I'm gonna do it and it's gonna be great because then we can all talk about it. Anywho, have a lovely rest of your week and I'll see you next Monday. Yeah. Until then, namaste, motherfuckers.